0: I always wear my mask and wash my hands after going home. It's a good tuna, but I think I pay too much. I am the king of the ring.
1: Welcome to the Japan What Podcast, episode 134. I am your host, Matthew P.M. Bigelow.com. Coming at you from the Tomihisacho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. The Army of Asia. This is, of course, the podcast that covers AI trends in Japan, market trends of the Indo-Pacific, rising conflict, odd items and, items more. and more. And I thank you for joining this podcast. Go to MatthewPmbigelow.com. We're very busy today, so we don't have time for anything but jumping right into it. Um, now, as someone who's been involved in news in Japan in one way or the other since 2008... Uh, directly or indirectly, depending on licensing agreements that companies I've worked with have had with major news, agree- news uh, outlets, um, being in a news outlet or uh, making use of news outlets for five years uh, while I was running my own program. One thing I've come to realize in Japan is that their editorial titles and headlines are the worst And I'm going to be using Asahi.com as an example, but it's not to say that these are especially horrible or they're especially not horrible. You could go to any major outlet in Japan. You could go to the Japan News. You could go to Japan Today. You could go to the Mainichi, and you click on their editorial headlines, and they are always just things that you would never, ever, that I that I did never grab my attention ever. And they're so bland is the thing. The, the opinions are, are so, so tr- contrite. Like, this is how I eventually began to describe it. Good things should try to be good or the bad things that happen shouldn't happen. And it's like, whoa, that's that's the intellectual depth that these um, titles go to. And I get that you're not trying to uh, create panic, like aliens are coming to rape your mother, and there's nothing you could do unless you follow these five steps. What could they be? Hmm. I understand not trying to do that, but I'm going to read some of these these, uh, editorial headlines, and you'll kind of get what I mean. In that uh, they suck. Swift diet action key to getting at root of LDP slush fund scandal. That's right. The government needs to monitor the government to make the government more government. (laughs) Indonesia must avoid rolling back long march to democracy. Oh, okay. What does that even mean? Toyota must put pedal to metal to resolve quality fraud scandals. Whoa, these are some hot takes. Transparency a must in search for nuclear waste disposal sites. Oh, really? I never would have thought such a thing. LDP, which is the main political party in Japan, LDP's survey on political funds barely scratched the surface. Oh my goodness. Here's some more. Three more. Poor students at disadvantage in new system for admissions. Maybe that's all right. Uh consider redeploying U.S. tactical nukes to South Korea. Mm, that's not bad. Not returning to Hong Kong was a last-minute decision. Well, maybe that's all right. But those are under a different section. Those are under views, not editorial. So the editorial people are as boring as they come. Speaking of come, I think this is my own, this would be my editorial headline. Come quat as a fruit name, needs to change. It's a, it makes me think of cum. <laughs> what, what, have you thought that too? Was like, that's like rapeseed. I'm thinking about making a dish. I'm going to use a lot of rapeseed oil, some kumquat, and I know this great restaurant from uh, you know Niger that might be able to help me. Like Whoa, whoa, this is like the trifecta of borderline words that should not exist. Um, So there we go. So that's my opinion. Kumquat as a fruit needs the change of a name because it reminds me of cum. All right. (laughs) How about you? What do you think? Uh, We're going to take a look um, today on the Japan Web Podcast at a variety of things. Um, One thing that we're going to begin with right off the dome today is uh, depopulation and migration and I'd like to compile uh, various uh, stories together to kind of give like a, a yes and, a no but, or it's not just this one event that makes us react in a way, right? Do you think this is a problem? And it shows like some car plowing into a group of school children. You're like, well, do you? You know, that's, yes, I do. And I'm going to talk for three hours about it on the, on the, on the breaking news podcast. Today. No, we don't need to do that depopulation and migration so uh is it or is it is it a good idea or is it not a good idea for japan to die out as a population is it or is it Now, I've, um, over COVID, uh, had a couple of kids with my Japanese wife. Best decision ever, of course. Uh, But the average birth rate in in Tokyo is one. So even though the replenishing rate is minimum 2.3, my family is under the replenishment rate for a population to maintain its size. And I'm not saying we should always be growing in size or shrinking in size. There's things to consider here. But if my family is twice the amount that the average family is in Tokyo, and it's not even replacement rate, what's going to happen? Like uh, a lot of people say, well, there's going to be more space for me, but it's not necessarily the case. We're going to be looking at a couple of varieties of examples here that indicate... Um, the the social realizations that you must undertake bef- as you as your population plummets, and this is going to be very personal to me over the next twenty years, as I've decided to probably stay here. Um, will I die here? I don't know. Maybe some North Korean. Uh, Resident will blow my brains out because I I I was wondering what what's going to happen with them if North Korea declares war on Japan with uh, Russia and China over the island of Taiwan right I don't know will they blow my brains out I hope not I don't have anything against them Japan to boost child allowances to tackle falling birth rate. So the the government's getting involved and that means the problems are going to be solved, right? Or are they just vote buying? I don't know. The cabinet on Friday approved this is a couple of uh, a variety of examples that we're lo- going to look at today. It's not just stupid government mandates. It's just leading us into it. So there's this plan where existing income limit for households receiving the benefits will be removed. A new funding scheme will be set up requiring each person to pay an additional 300 to 500 yen, like three to five bucks, less than that, in the form of monthly health insurance premiums. Starting in October, 2024, the eligibility to receive 10,000 yen a month will be expanded to those aged between 16 and 18. <clears throat> this is called the Kodomo in one way or another there's a monthly government handout where you can get about 120 100, 200 bucks about a month or hichimangosai and to ne my am depending on where you are and what income bracket you fall under, it changes but they want to expand that to involve anybody within any income bracket can receive the same uh, benefits does a millionaire really need an extra 100 bucks a month um that the current 15,000 yen or about $1,200, 12 uh, $1, dollars $120 USD monthly allowance for the third child and beyond will be doubled to 30,000 yen, right? So you get an extra, um, 30,000 yen for the first two and then an additional 30,000 yen per each one after. So if you have a family of four, you're almost looking at, you know, an extra seven to 800 bucks a month just for the kids funded by the government. Now you might say, why, why is the government doing this? It should be all the private sector. I get it, but this is just trying to spur people to have more babies by dangling, uh, you know, throwing peanuts in front of their cocks. Late marriage and financial worries are often cited as reasons behind the decline in the number of children. Uh, President or Prime Minister Kishida's government sees the period leading up to the 2030s as the last chance to reverse the trend. And it goes on from there. Japan had around 2.09 million newborns in the midst of its second baby boom in 1973. It slipped be below it slipped below one million in 2016 and below 800,000 in 2022 for the first time. And marriages, I don't think, are going up right now in Japan because of the pandemic, and uh, children certainly are not being born as they used to um, because of lifestyle changes. And uh, this is an interesting idea. The tiny home movement may have been started in Japan as a global depopulation idea, where Japan and Tokyo or big cities are famous for these tiny little apartments where you can have one person living in them or two people living in them, and that will be fine. And then they spend all their waking hours working for the company, and they go out and drink with their coworkers and do all that, and then they don't have enough time to raise children on their own and there's not enough space in their apartments for them to think about it. Moving costs a lot, blah, blah, blah. And now there's there's tons and tons and tons of tiny little apartments, but there's not a lot of big apartments for making families. So the... Japan's participation in the worldwide depopulation movement might not be coming in the form of warfare or biomedical stuff. It might be coming in the form of infrastructure where they figured out a way to like make people live in these tiny places, work their asses off of the company and not really have enough space for their own families. Just an idea. That's one way to think about it. And it seems to be working. Um... Now the other aspects of uh, depopulation that we're going to get to. So I'm not sure if like the government's always trying to throw money at this problem and it does help like I believe my family takes advantage of of these things as much as possible within our means. Um, And we put it towards family cost and all that. It makes a bit of a difference. It's not like we're living high on the hog by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, But we also have now the idea of the aging population in Japan where these um, elderly people who are uh, high in number are taking the lives of children, which are low in number. And this is also having an effect. This is a very sad story, but nobody died. So that's why I'm bringing it in. And I'll, I'll follow up a little bit after this. 88-year-old woman arrested for dangerous driving after hitting three children. Mm. Police in Shibata, Niigata Prefecture, have arrested an 88-year-old woman on suspicion of dangerous driving, resulting in injury after she hit three elementary school students, leaving two seriously injured. The incident occurred at around 3 p.m. on Friday, which means, you know, drive slowly if you're in school areas, by the way, idiots. Police said the three children were crossing a street when they were hit by a vehicle driven by Yukio Hatano. The crosswalk had no traffic lights. They're on the crosswalk, though. Two of the children, a boy and a girl, suffered head injuries and were taken to hospital. Police said their injuries were not life-threatening. The third child, the boy, sustained an abrasion to his left hand. So this is an idea where the reality on the street is that you have millions and 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 millions 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 of Japanese people increasing in number and number and number and number driving around like maniacs uh, surrounded by fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer younger people who then get hit by these cars. And so now you have somebody who's in her very senior years in life gets to ride out the rest of her years of her life living with the fact that she almost killed three elementary school students so that she could go and do her chores but didn't stop at a crosswalk uh, for whatever reasons. Uh, She didn't see them. Her vision's going bad. You're daydreaming. Yeah, I don't know about you, but a lot of elderly people kind of slip in and out of the present moment. And that doesn't mean they're senile. They could be very present, but they, they have a lot to think about at 88 years old. In life. Uh, I, I interviewed a police officer once who talked to me about this, and he was. I was asking about the the amount of like crazy crimes in the elderly population. He said it's demographics. As this population increases in percentage of the demographic size of Japan, it only makes sense that they will be making up a larger and larger and larger percent of the crimes. And the younger people, while they might still engage in crime, uh, their percentage is just not high enough to register at a meta scale or a or 35 foot thousand viewpoint view. That's the reality. So We might have the government saying, we believe in our youth and we're going to give some money to the families and, you know, 30,000 yen if you have more than three. Boom! 88-year-old woman just almost ruins three lives of elementary school students. That's one element of the depopulation movement where you have um, the elderly killing the young in disproportionate amount of sizes. Uh, Now, another thing that I'd like to cover is Uh, with depopulation is another aspect that I find is very interesting, and that is culture. So as the population frays, uh, the culture will fray along with it, and some things will drop off faster than others, uh, to be replaced by mm, weird uh, mirror images of something that's worse in the future, I can only expect. But let's begin with the idea. I researched this... Uh, from NHK, I also found a version from AFP. Uh, we'll go with AFP uh, just because I have it here in front of me. Japan's Naked Men Festival succumbs to aging population. Yeah, the emphasis on that comes. <laughs> a steam of sweat rose as hundreds of naked men tussled over a bag of wooden talismans, performing a dramatic end to a thousand-year-old ritual in Japan that took place for the last time. Their passionate chants of yashō, yōhasa, meaning evil be gone, echoed through a cedar forest in Iwate Prefecture, northern Japan. Massive population decline. Everybody's old there. It's scary. Where the secluded um, Kokoseki Temple has decided to end the popular annual rite <laughs> Annual raid. Organizing the event, which draws hundreds of participants and thousands of tourists every year, has become a heavy burden for the aging local faithful, who find it hard to keep up with the rigors of the ritual. I bet they do. The the Sominasai Festival, regarded as one of the strangest festivals in Japan, is the latest tradition impacted by the country's aging population crisis. Quote, it is very difficult to organize a festival of this scale, said Daigo Fujinami, a resident monk at the temple that opened in the year 729. Quote, you can see what happened today. So many people are here and it's all exciting. But behind the scenes, there are many rituals and so much work that has to be done, he said. Quote, I cannot be blind to the difficult reality. End quote. Japan's society has aged more rapidly than other countries, um, and we'll we'll finish from there. Uh, I'll be posting pictures of this onto MatthewPmbigelow.com Matthew uh, so that you can see the final uh, act of this uh, Naked Man Festival. It's very interesting, actually. I could describe it a little bit. And they wear loincloths, like cloths. Uh, these are considered like lucky underwear garments in Japan that give you special powers. Similar to Mormons, but not quite. And uh, they, they basically just cram them all into a little space. And then they uh, sweat like the devil. And they it's like a mosh pit without a heavy metal band. And then some priest comes out with a bunch of wooden sticks and talismans, throws them into the crowd. And if you can get your stick out, then you're considered to be very lucky for the year. And uh, why why don't I bring up the NHK article? It had a little bit more insight. Just a second here. I want to bring it up. We're bringing it up. The quote by the man at the end is very telling from NHK. One of the lucky winners, Ozaki Yoshitaka, said he was filled with happiness. The 59-year-old said he hopes to spend the coming year sharing his happiness with others. Now, the fact that a 59-year-old man could get in there almost butt naked and get out of there with some lucky talismans says something about the overall population that's going on in the northern areas of Japan. I mean, if the average age was 35, that guy would have been he would have have stood no chance. But the fact that a 59-year-old can compete, like 9,000 people went to this place and get out with the lucky talisman? Wow. It's a shame that they're shutting down the Naked Man Festival. They were supposed to allow women to participate in some fashion this year, which I am very much against. Uh, I'm at the point now where I have to say we need to protect men's spaces. Men need their own spaces and women need their own spaces too. The older you get in life, the more this makes sense. Not to say that everything needs to be segregated like I'm some sort of uh, partitionist or uh, I believe in apartheid in South Africa. That's all horrible. Men and women change rooms. Great. Uh, Places for men to drink beer without women around. Great. Trust me, it's great. Great. Uh, and, and other such things, the Hadaka Matsuri, where you can get butt naked with nine thousand other men, not be gay and still have a great time and win stuff great uh I think we need to just to stick up for some some men 's spaces at the moment. Very unpopular for for me to say. I almost hesitate to say it, but I would like to say, men need spaces. Otherwise, the depopulation movement will just continue. If men can have their spaces and women can have their spaces, by the time we meet up together, we'll be hornier from spending so much time with the same sex. We'll all have more babies, and then we will have more population instead of less. What do you think? What do you think of that? Is it? Or is it? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a population expert. I just know that banging chicks uh, without the bag makes babies. It's not that complex, people. Let's take a look at Japan Society 5.0.
2: The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The Fourth Industrial Revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime we will have access to the latest medical advancements.
1: 11... So that's the Japanese government's Japan society 5.0 initiative. It's been changing over the years. It started in 2016. And when I was a English teacher at SoftBank, a major telecom community, the telecom industry in, in Japan, I, I studied a lot about this because it was related to networks and stuff like that. And I have kept up with it since then, since I've left the company in 2020, uh, this, We'll just do a quick one right here. This is Sanyodo Shoten Toyota store opens unmanned at night, adopts facial recognition, open 24 hours, plans to open 5 stores by March next year. Interestingly enough, this is from direct translation from Yahoo News Japan. And do you notice like how different the headlines in Japanese are than in English? It, it there's no it's very informational. Anyways, we'll just read on the 19th, Sanyo, Sanyodo Bookstore, a subsidiary of Sanyodo Holdings, will switch its, switch its will will switch its existing store. I'm sorry, Suma Bookstore Sanyodo Hoshinton Hoshinten, to unmanned nighttime operations, making it open 24 hours a day. A system that uses a facial recognition system to enter the store and will be able to extend the hours and attract a wider range of customers while reducing labor costs. The company plans to increase the number of unmanned 24-hour stores to five by the fiscal year ending March 2025. Uh, it's uh, operated in uh, Nagoya Ward, um, and it said that the system that uses the facial recognition system enter the store... Um, will be able to, you know, increase its business chances. It's a very rough translation, but I just thought that was interesting that uh, they are adopting more facial recognition, unmanned stores on a trial basis for nighttime operation as well, which, you know, why not? Just don't be hunted by people who are using facial recognition hacking masks where they put like extra eyes and a nose somewhere, maybe a traffic cone on their forehead and uh, hack the system to come in and hunt you while you're using the unmanned store at night. Uh, The next one is going to be another quick one. Public servant uses QR codes for safety on Tokyo subway system. Uh, This is just an interesting example of Uh, Instead of using lasers or other high-tech equipment for um, trains to stop and make the gates open in a secure manner, a train company managed to use QR codes where the QR codes are fixed to the platform and the doors and things like that. And the readers on the side of the train are able to identify the QR code and uh, say that the, the train's in the right place and then open the train at the right time. It relies on a network, of course, but everything does now, just like the lights require a network of copper wires or whatever, right? So we rely on these things in our daily lives. But instead of using lasers or other high-tech stuff, the QR code, you just print it off on a piece of paper and affix it to a place. And now it can be used instead of having a bunch of, um, crazy equipment install that requires, you know, LiDAR or or high-speed scanning equipment. It can just be like a camera on the side of a train pointing in a direction, hits the QR code, the QR code confirms it, and then the train and everything opens at the right place at the right time. It's simple but innovative. That's what I really like about Japan Society 5.0. Now, The next one is going to be a bit of an interesting one. Now, this comes to us from NVIDIA, the CEO of NVIDIA, Yen's something, I can never remember his name. He's from, uh, ethnically from, um, uh, uh, Taiwan, NVIDIA. Yen, (coughs) Yen Sen Huang, there we go. President of NVIDIA, one of the, major, I don't know, CEOs of our lifetime. He's the reason why we have Bitcoin computing and GPUs and the major advancements in a lot of computer processing these days is solely because of NVIDIA. And this guy's taking the company to next level upon next level upon next level upon next level of compute. And I started really paying attention to him in the late 2010s when I was at SoftBank because of his addresses, which were also sales events, very smart guy to do both, highlighting technology such as um, having a person in a fake car, but with sensors all around him, go into a VR headspace, but he's surrounded by screens in his fake car, into a studio. And the studio is then connected to a car outside the studio. And he can view what's going on in his studio via the fake studio from the cameras on the car in real life and then pilot a car around a, uh, around a parking lot to park it somewhere. That's insane. <laughs> so like the fact that they could make this happen and film it with drones made me kind of go, wow, this person is somebody you should be listening to because it's not just some funky shit that's going on in their mind. It's really, really realistically hardcore. So when he was speaking at the World Government Summit, which is a stupid World Economic Forum-sponsored thing that goes on every year, uh, I I listened to it. And on the last podcast, I was covering the fact that Japan is trying to do all this stuff with uh, Japan Society 5.0, but it relies on foreign investment to do so now with startup investment. The fact that Japan's SDGs Goals are now interfering with its own um, startup capital investment strategies, and that the startups in Japan rely on Chinese robots, etc., 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 to get the job done. He, um, uh, Mr. Huang from Nvidia at the at this interview that was conducted when was it uh, about uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago at the World Government Summit, he he begins talking about the importance of having. AI uh, and, and and compute power stored in your own language um, domestically uh, to avoid the aspect of uh, bias from other countries inf- influencing the AI systems that are going to be increasingly prevalent uh, among our daily use. Now, um, before I begin, I'll, I've been thinking about this for years. Because a long time ago, there was the idea that like, oh, if you have a whole bunch of Trump supporters writing your AI code, then your AI might support Trump. It's like, okay, well, that's a little bit crazy. But one thing that struck me as even more significant, and I I don't care if you like or, or hate Trump, the podcast is not about that was the fact that what if you have people developing the software in your self-driving cars that come from societies that have very different values in the way that the roads operate? And just one example that I could think of that would illustrate the point, albeit a little bit out there, would be what if Japan didn't have enough um, coders to code its self-driving cars and it incorporated a whole bunch of coders from India? Oh, they're tech savvy, they work cheaply, blah, blah, blah. But their bias towards animals and and humans, and we all know the the typical example is like the cow. The cow is a holy holy animal to many Indians. So what if you had some like Indians who were like a little subversive and you had to program like, is the self-driving car going to, plow into a a bunch of kids or a bunch of cows if if it's encountering both on the road and you have some Indian who has vowed on with an NDA to um, operate within the laws of Japan and they studied it with all their hearts but they come to the point where they need to code the car and they say "Uh, sorry I'm gonna have to choose the kids over the cows because the cow is a sacred instrument to me and my bias tells me that uh, the kids have got to go and so you don't know what is going to happen when you import the bias in the code. In the code, when we think of bias, we often think of political bias. It doesn't mean political bias. It means cultural bias, it means religious bias, a whole bevy of biases can be involved with these cultural decisions. And that's why I'm playing this quote this segment from the World Governments Summit with the CEO of Nvidia and you know, Japan wants to increase its its onboarding of um, chip manufacturing in Japan and having a bunch of um, foreign companies do so. So the fact that Miss the CEO of Nvidia is talking about this ty- type of stuff is also applicable to to Japan or or those who are interested in the wider AIO sphere, which is a stupid word that I made up. The AIOSphere uh, and how just importing everything might not be the um, lead to the answers that you would be expecting. Let's
0: listen. Aggressively on creating large language models, mobilizing compute. Right.
1: So this is a, a higher up political person in the UAE um, as, uh, talking about the importance of AI models in localized settings.
0: I, I think we completely subscribe to that vision. Um, that's why the UAE is Moving aggressively on creating large language models, mobilizing compute, right. and maybe work with other partners on this. L- let's try to flip the paradigm a little bit. Let's today assume that Jensen Huang is the president of a developing nation that has a relatively small GDP. And you can focus on one AI application, what would it be? Let's call it a hypothetical nation and say that. You know you have so many problems that you need to deal with. What is the first thing that you're going to approach if you're going to mobilize artificial intelligence in that scenario? The first thing you have to do is you have to build infrastructure. If you want to if you want to mobilize the production of food, you have to build farms. If you want to mobilize the production of energy, you have to build AC generators. If you want to if you want to operationalize digital, if you want to digitalize your economy, you have to build the internet. Um, if you want to automate the creation of artificial intelligence, you have to build the infrastructure. It is not that cost. Of, it's not that. It's not that costly. It is also not that hard. Um, companies all around the world, of course, wants to mystify, terrify, glorify. You know all of those uh, those those ideas. But the fact of it matters they're computers. You can buy them off the shelf. Uh, you can install it. Uh, every country needs uh, already has the expertise to do this. Uh, and you you have to you surely need to have the imperative to go activate that. Um, the first thing that I would do, of course, is I would codify the uh, language, the, the data of your culture into your own large language model. This is where and you're doing that here. Uh, Core 42, um, Saudi Aramco, Sdaya, Um, really doing uh, important work to uh, codify the Arabic language and creating your own large language model. Um, But simultaneously, remember that AI is not just about language. AI, we're seeing several AI revolutions happening at the same time. AI for language, AI for biology, learning the language of proteins and and chemicals, Uh, AI for physical sciences, learning the AI of climate, materials, energy discovery, AI of IOT, the language of keeping places safe, computer vision and such. um, AI for IOT, AI for robotics and autonomous systems, manufacturing and such. There's AI revolutions happening, AI great breakthroughs happening in all of these different domains. And uh, if you build the infrastructure, you will activate the researchers in every one of these domains. Without the internet, how can you be digital? Without farms, how can you produce food? Without an AI infrastructure, how can you activate all of the researchers that are in your region to go and create the AI models? You touched upon... Um...
1: So he talks about localization in a very important way there. and like That's one of the major CEOs of the world right now. and He's trying to probably pitch his own GPUs and everything like that. But I I thought that was interesting and it was worth noting. So, uh, thank you. Let's take a look at something else.
2: The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0. A technology-based, human-centered society. Fourth Industrial Revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from...
1: All right, and that's going to be the podcast for today. We didn't manage to get to everything, but uh, there's a lot going on and the studio time was pretty limited for today. But I'd like to cover some more things next week, including the Chinese economy and how that affects Japan and uh Some other things as well. So thank you for listening, everybody, for today's podcast. Coming at you from the Tomihisacho Studios in Tokyo to shinjuku Japan. Japan. This has been the Japan Web Podcast. Until next time, everybody. Ja, mata, ne. (laughs)